Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, and I'm here with our host, Steve Krupa. Steve, you, you touched me in this podcast, I have to say. Yes, I did. Yes, you, 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 you listened, Steve. You, you had a great conversation about Greenhead IPA, which, as you remember, is, a, is a, an IPA made in my town of, of Newburyport. And you also, mm-hmm. in, in telling the tale, you remember the origins of the name, which, uh, which means you listen when I tell you things. It's, it's, yes, I It's do. very touching. I, I also think that it's very, you know, it's a very interesting origin. So it's hard to forget. It, it also happens to be a delicious beer. I don't even know. Can you only get that beer on tap, or can you get that in the can? No, it is. It is available in the can. It's a. It's available at Whole Foods near you down there in, in Linfield, and and also on Delta Airlines. So it's uh, it's it's making its way, and I'll make sure. I send this podcast uh, to uh, to Bill and Chris at uh, at Newburyport Brewing, and uh, and maybe you can get a a, a case sent your way. Who knows? Oh, ooh, that would be unbelievable! <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so a nice a nice conversation with uh, with Sean. We talked yes. a lot about healthcare analytics, along with Tony C's and the local uh, nightlife here in Burlington, Massachusetts. Yes. So we're he and I are uh, a couple of blocks away from one another, uh, and we have the same sort of lifestyle. And then he flies into his job from Atlanta, and I come into mine from New York. So it was a, it was a very, uh, a very uh, fun discussion. And then we ended up getting into, of course, the the root of the of the yeah. matter, which Be- is before you how to, how to analyze uh, healthcare. Yeah, we were wrapped up in the beer talk so much we didn't say who the guest was. It's, oh yeah, <laughs> it's Sean yeah. Carroll, CEO of Arcadia Healthcare Systems, and uh, and they raised some money recently, uh, thirty million dollars from from Merck and others. So uh, do, tell tell us a bit about what they do. Well, you know, they are focused on uh, the analytics space. The analytics in healthcare, particularly on the clinical side, it, origins are from consultancies that would build, you know, data data applications and help providers improve uh, their operations. And uh, those companies have uh, been becoming more and more software heavy, more and more SaaS delivery heavy. And uh, so Sean has a business where he combines a uh, an innovative software product with a, a consulting service and, and data science service, uh, and it's designed to, uh, much in the, in the light of some of the other analytics companies we've had on, uh, to improve performance of providers on the clinical side of the business um, by being able to integrate across e- EHRs and uh, and analyze that clinical data in the, in the hopes to find ways to improve operating efficiencies and clinical performance. Terrific, and and as I said, they've, they've well capitalized now, yeah. and uh, and they're in your neighborhood, so uh, definitely a good guest to have on the podcast. Let's get. Yep, into- and then, uh, we've we've had a couple people talk about this in the past. That this is a very hot area. We had uh, we had most uh, analytics, MD analytics on, and a couple of other people. So um, this is an, an area that that VCs are are spending a lot of time looking at. Terrific. All right. Well, let's get into this conversation with Sean Carroll of Arcadia. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Sean Carroll, the CEO of Arcadia Healthcare Solutions. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you. 
glad to be here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're fellow travelers in the Burlington, Massachusetts circuit, which is fun. We'll have to get together and go to Tony C's and watch a game or something one of these days. I I was there last night for a late night sandwich after uh, flying in. <laughs> so uh, funny you would mention that. My favorite beer is the Greenhead IPA from Newberry, uh, Newburyport. I don't know if you've had it there, but it's very good. Um, I have. I, I have too many favorites to name them, so we should leave it at that. We'll just do. The, I'll, I'll do one quick quiz for you. We'll see how your mass. Because I know you're an Atlanta guy. Uh, do you know why it's called Greenport uh, Greenhead IPA? Uh, I have had Greenhead IPA. Yes. Do you know where the name originates from? Though it's kind of a. I, I I don't know. It's kind of gross, actually. It's it, it originates from the flies that bite you on the beach. They're called greenheads. Doesn't, ah. doesn't it's, it's it's an odd name for a beer, right? But it's pretty pretty damn good stuff. I think I I look forward when I go to Tony's. C's, that's my first order. The Greenhead IPA. Uh, I'm making a note. <laughs> I'll follow in suit. <laughs> So anyway, glad to have you here. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about EHRs and, and data analytics and, and, uh, and, and a lot of what you're doing. And, and of course, the good fortune of having raised uh, some money from some very good investors recently. But before we do that, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got into the healthcare game and how you decided that you wanted to be an entrepreneur in healthcare. Yeah, I'd love to love to talk about it. So I'm a 27, 28-year vet of healthcare IT uh, across uh, six different companies, the first of which goes way back into the late 80s in Atlanta, where uh, Harris Lanier, which then became Lanier Business Products, was uh, domiciled. And I started, like many folks, as a sales guy, learning how to... Uh, how to convince everyone from lawyers to doctors to name your small business owner why they should buy a $320 micro cassette recorder for dictation and other note taking. And so developed, uh, some, some skills and, in, in persuasiveness. Uh, and then in the course of that, um, particular ride started leaning towards the healthcare part of uh, their book of business and ultimately became a national account and uh, healthcare specific representative and then manager and, and climbed the ladder just a little bit there. But most importantly, met a enterprising emergency physician who had a dream about creating a 24 by 7 clinical documentation service business that I thought was a brilliant idea. I joined him, and we uh, started that company and built it from nothing and ended up selling that into the IT investor marketplace to a number of well-known venture capital firms out of um, Silicon Valley and Austin, Texas. And that was really the beginning of my commitment, which has since been the case across the rest of my travels, to work on healthcare businesses that have some very explicit attachment to health data and how through the, the better and more comprehensive use of health data, we could improve healthcare as a business and care for patients. And that's really been my consistent sort of personal mission across um, everything I've done since then. And here at Arcadia, that's that's really at the center of what, what the business is, is focused on. 
uh, when you really get down to the bottom layer. So it's been a great ride, and obviously I've seen a lot of different things in healthcare, but always around data and information. Yeah, so you got it right the first time, it sounds like. You, you took, took the jump from being a corporate guy to starting a business, and that business ended up working out for you. Is that, is that the, way to, the way to think about it? Is that, that first, first venture, first success, right? That doesn't happen to everybody. You know? Yeah, I won't say there weren't many failures along the way. Uh, that They're always part of a positive uh, experience, as you know. But, yeah, that was a fun company, and, and it was something that no one else had done to that point in healthcare, and so learned a, an awful lot about what it means to be on the front edge of things and and how to drive a, a brand new idea uh, into what sometimes can be a pretty tough uh, market to sell into that being of course healthcare did you did you raise outside money or did you guys fund that field i'm i'm always interested to understand like the difference between being in a venture back company say back then it sounds like 25 years ago 22 years ago or so 25 years ago um versus now did you guys fund the deal yourselves and if you didn't just Give me a give give the listeners a sense about how much money you had to raise to get to success. Well, that was that was somewhat unique. It it was a you know twenty ish million dollar company when we sold it, so we we funded uh, it from personal money. We didn't we didn't have to go the uh, commercial or institutional route for for that business, but we you know we had to bootstrap for the first three or four years to to really get to the point where the company was. In the in the right place from a cash and performance point of view, and that of course is very different from some of my later experiences, which were, you know, all about venture capital and private equity money, which are are different games in and of themselves. But that one was nice because you know it was it it was all personal from day one, and the only time we had to go outside, we we went mostly into family money. Uh, to to bridge the gap, right? And the argument was to the family: this is a no brainer. No way, no way you're going to lose the most of this money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, always with a please or a pretty please attached. But yeah, that was uh, that was interesting, and that was you know from the ground up. So you learn a certain amount of things, you know, going that route. And that business, once acquired, was part of a, a you know a, a commercially backed venture backed roll up business that was very data centric using text parsing technologies and, and technologies that were the predecessors of today's technologies and that was a completely different experience and involved raising capital and other driving other transactions as part of that business, which was a, a big leap from the sort of the first chapter terms of experience is the first chapter so hard that you'd never want to do it again or to, because obviously you don't after you bootstrap your first company and you're able to sell it uh, successfully into what sounds like a very very cool roll up on the back end it's sort of like the the the, op, the world of opportunity doesn't really cause you to have to go back and do that again is it is it also you would never want to do that again like i could think of a lot of things i learned a lot doing that I would never want to do again. Is that one of them? I'm a bit torn, you know, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a, yeah, no, it's, uh, of course the, there's so much, uh, learning and pain going on, but, the the exhilaration of going through that, you know, is, 
is hard to match if if you're getting it right. And so I think on balance, I'd think of it more like would I advise my my son or or my daughter to start their own business? And the answer would be yeah, if you have the right idea and you've thought it through and you've you've thought through how you're actually going to finance the business in at some level, then I think everyone should give it a whirl if it's in their DNA. Very cool. Very cool. So we're about we leapfrog to, to modern uh, times with uh, with Arcadia Healthcare Solutions. How many companies were there between then and now uh, where you, where you played a, a significant management role? Um, I have- yeah. So what was fu- what was fun? So I you know I left the first business as the CEO and went into the second business as the fifteenth of sixteen acquisitions. I ultimately became the CEO of that rolled up business. And and then after um, selling that business to yet another private equity backed company, became the CEO of of that company, which was yet another learning moment where this was a complete SaaS based uh, technology business uh, right around the internet bubble that really needed to be transformed into a IT enabled services business, and so that. That became sort of the the next chapter for me was taking a business that was really established in one very specific business model, but because of the market and all kinds of other things, really needed to exist in a different form. And so that business was uh, was fun too. We were able to make that conversion over seven years or so, and it became a number one in class performer in its new constitution. And that. That business then got sold to Nuance Healthcare here in Burlington, across mm-hmm. the street, where I spent a couple of years as uh, running half the healthcare business, all the health information management assets on the services and technology side, which brought me here when I was uh, approached by some of the investors that I'd had success with in the past, and they'd come across this very unique diamond in the rough called... Uh, uh, called Arcadia, um, and after exploring that, uh, uh, really, it was a no-brainer to to jump over here and try to try to help the organization achieve what it was trying to achieve, which has you know been a great three and a half years so far. Yeah, terrific. So, uh, Arcadia is uh, part part of what they're doing, or a significant part of what you're doing over there is creating information. And actionable knowledge from electronic health records, and uh, so how how was the company founded, and what was what was this, what was its objective from the beginning, and what is it what's its objective now? Yeah, Steve, great question, and really, it, it, the company uh, was destined for a different kind of transformation. This was a consult, healthcare consulting firm for. 10 or 11 years prior to my arrival and in that time frame had really developed some very unique competencies and assets, not the least of which was uh, a very deep understanding of, of ambulatory networks, both at the network level and at the, the office uh, practice level. Workflows and electronic health record technology across really the top 30 brand names you could think of, implementing and optimizing those systems, 
Um, and in the course of that time, working in the databases of these systems at a level that has accreted to very deep data mapping and data dictionary uh, intellectual property that allows the company today in its current format uh, as a technology firm to aggregate or extract, aggregate, and harmonize data across multiple electronic healthcare systems, then match that up with payer data, health plan data, and oftentimes other data sources to really create the the necessary data asset on which value-based care strategies can, can be run. And that's really the focus of the business today to help health plans and provider organizations to build that asset so that they can fulfill um, and actually excel on taking on risk and driving value-based care. So when I um, when I got started in the biz, which was uh, 20 years ago now, I think, yeah, 20, 22 years ago, you know, one of the things that we used to say back then was back when California was sort of leading the way with putting providers at risk through capitation. And right. um, that was a, there was a vision uh, that this would become a national trend that really never panned out for the most part. Uh, and we're, we're kind of starting back at the beginning now with, um, with, a, with, a, with, a lot, with the federal government, actually, I think, uh, driving a mm-hmm. lot of the innovation around bundles and so forth. So, um, sure. so tell me, wh- where, where do you see the market today in terms of value-based care and what, role, what specific role is Arcadia playing in terms of uh, using its technologies uh, to make that work? Well, I think, I, I think by all measures, it's still very early in the in the overall movement towards value based care, although I think if you just compare today to maybe three years ago, uh, I know that when I first arrived at Arcadia, almost let's say eight out of ten conversations I would have with prospective customers or other uh, industry pundits, it was it was very educational dialogue, not prone to action in many cases but rather exploration. And today we see the beginnings of, you know, replacement markets where, you know, early decisions are being undone in, in exchange for, you know, the second choice or a new choice. We see, I, I think you can see in, in many markets, providers and payers coming to the table a little more willingly to share data in, you know, in the, in the context and in, in the spirit of driving value-based care into that, into that marketplace. And so I think the trends are positive and moving. Of course, if you're a, if you're a supplier or a vendor, it's never moving fast enough. But I'm enthused to see some of these indicators that we're actually going to get, get there this time or get a lot closer than in the past couple tries at this um, because I think it's absolutely critical that that we do that and the way we approach the business is with that level of commitment and exuberance then we sit down with a, a prospective customer and, and ask them about their strategy and how they're thinking about data as a core foundational um, element of that strategy um, more and more Folks are saying, "Yeah, I've, I've got to get this solved first. And so that's really our our differentiator 
strategically is that we really go at that problem with our customers first, and from there we can we can we can sort of spring to any number of different types of use case driven initiatives uh, or or other strategic uh, undertakings. But in our mind, you have to solve the data problem first to be effective and certainly to excel and actually make money taking on risk. You have to have the data right, and it has to be broad data, integrated data. It has to really give the picture of your population, not a partial picture, but a full picture. And that's really what we're focused on at the tech, uh, at the technology level, Steve. Is, so are you focused on bringing all the data together? I mean, I, I, I wrote down extract, aggregate, and harmonize, um, extract, you're, you're looking to pull information from the, the EHRs and aggregate. I'm assuming you want to combine that with anything that's not in there, right? That's relevant to the, to a member or patient. Right. And then, and then, right. what is, but what does harmonize mean when you say you know, to get it to sort of tie together longitudinally, longitudinally, or as part of episodes? Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So if you, if you know, if you were to take your. Um, Take your local brand name, large healthcare organization, you know, in our neck of the woods, and you can pick any, any one of them, but let's, let's take one that's sort of in the Burlington area, and they, they have, you know, they have 37 or 38 different electronic health record systems across their, their inpatient and outpatient environment. And, and they might, there might be six or seven, eight health plans active in that population that they serve and any variety of other data sources that might be helpful. Practice management, for example, being, uh, important because of scheduling data and the ability for that organization to have all of that data pulled together in a single uh, in a single view with the appropriate capacity to um, develop cohorts, slice the data for utilization analysis, performance improvement, quality improvement, driving quality measures specifically that uh, are embedded within their contracts. Really, you know, for them to be successful in taking on risk, they, they have to have that full view to do that well. That that really is the harmonization. And imagine across 36 different unique uh, electronic health record environments, just something as simple as blood pressure. Um, you know, many EHRs might have six or seven different places where blood pressure is stored. And customization of these systems and workflow changes that are that are inevitable in all of these environments tend to move all that information around. And so how do you normalize blood pressure across that that view as a simple example? Um, that's what we mean by harmonization um, so that, you know, blood pressure is, is seen and viewed uniformly uh, through our lens as opposed to, you know, 36 other ways independently in that, in that example. So once you have it all all harmonized, then then are you, you providing a, a software to, to do the harmonization and then do analytics on top of that data so that you can begin to really understand where where the quality issues may potentially be, 
or where, where, where efficiency improvements can be? How are you, how are you using that data with your clients to help their business? Yeah, great. Great question. So our clients engage with us really in, at a high level in two different ways with technology. One is to simply do this um, very difficult extraction and, and harmonization work to serve up a, a database for them against which they can use their own tools or in some cases even competitive tools if they've made um, previous investments that they they still would like to leverage. And so some of our customers opt to engage with us just at that level, but most opt to have us do that work and then use our software on top of it, which is obviously integrated into that extraction and harmonization platform to drive improvements in quality, look at opportunities to manage costs differently, even more recently to look at risk scores and look for opportunities and gaps that might help them drive in-year risk premium improvement as as one particular kind of hot use case right now. And then the the uh, software also has care management capabilities so that actually driving action across identified cohorts of patients where these opportunities exist uh, is at their fingertips as well. Hi, everybody. Tom here. Just taking a quick break from this conversation to ask you to sign up for the Breaking Health newsletter. Just go to healthag.com. That's the word health, followed by letters egy.com. Give us your email address. Nothing more, no credit card, no nothing. Just a free newsletter coming your way. It'll deliver information about our podcast guests, uh, interesting links associated with the interview, and, of course, uh, our unique and novel video content coming from our events and other events in healthcare. So go to healthag.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com to register. Now back to this conversation. That's cool. That's a, that, that's great. And it, you, so most of your, so your entry point is primarily at the provider level. Those providers are unlikely to be insurance companies, right? So they're, they're looking for, are they applying this mostly to Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement situations, or is it even in the commercial world today? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really um, all free. And, um, you know, ironically, the, the company's heritage of initially working with health plans and providers has really stuck with us. And we, we actually have, you know, 40% of our businesses still with health plans who have who have seen the advantages of driving this concept of a data asset like this in their markets and working with providers to encourage them onto the platform such that they can get the same sort of shared data asset that the plan does. And in many of those cases, we end up with a relationship directly with the provider. So it's one of the more exciting parts of the business as we've seen market growth where, you know, value-based care becomes a thing in a market and everybody understands on all sides of the equation the the criticality of of this shared information. And so we, we end up as an arbitrator or arbitrage, it's the better word, in between these organizations as sort of a trusted intermediary with everyone's data. It's a really unique and important part of our persona as a business. Very cool. I know you, um, 
you know, you just raise a little bit of money, right? So congratulations. That's always easy Thank to you. do, right? I mean, it's, it's easy. You just oh, pick up yeah. the phone and it just starts flying at you, right? Always goes faster than you think, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> so how much, how much, how much did you, I know, I know you've got uh, the Merc guys in there and, and I know those guys, I've worked with them in the past. Who else is in your deal? So the other, um, the other new player that came in is uh, GE Ventures, um, which we're really excited about. And, and then we had um, uh, four of the existing investors re-up as part of the round. So it really came out, from my perspective, sort of exactly as, as I hoped it would, um, that we would draw in some very important and highly strategic investors who obviously have the capital but have a lot more to, than capital to offer and the, the Merck Global Health Initiative and GE Ventures are sort of right in the center of the target of that definition and, and, and have proven so already even in the early weeks have been really helpful outside the uh, the investment itself, and then to have your existing investors, you know, say we want we want to do more because we like what's going on is also really important, as you know. And so it it played out uh, well. It did take a little longer than expected, but a lot of that was on us because we had very you know we had very explicit definitions of what we wanted to accomplish, and we held out for that. Very good, but great outcome. Yeah, thirty million dollars raised. Yeah, thirty million dollars is a tough. That's a wonderful. It's 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 a great accomplishment. I got a couple more avenues I want to explore with you in the last couple of minutes here. The first is, can you talk about the challenges uh, around working with all these disparate systems? You know, it's not that long ago that the e, the HR companies were not super cooperative about allowing outside parties to access their information. Um, certainly in real time. I know you can probably get through through the database layer, but um, tell me how that's going. Is it getting better? Is the cooperation starting to come come to, to fold at this point? I'm sure it was a little bit challenging in the beginning when you first started to do this. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was, and I, I was surprised coming here, given my background, though, that the company had had been able to achieve you know, basically off-the-shelf mappings and dictionaries for the top 30 or 35 electronic health records. But that was a byproduct of just what I call the toe factor, you know, time on earth. They'd just been at it so long that they were they were able to, to compile over a long period of time, you know, all this knowledge and understanding and ultimately IP. So... The company was uniquely advantaged compared to any sort of integration approach I had I had ever seen, and I'd, I'd seen quite a bit in my travels. So that was one of the reasons it was so exciting to come over here was there was real, real, um, real knowledge in IP. It it has gotten it's gotten easier in one respect, Steve, in that you know the the notion of interoperability and, and you know that where that dialogue has raised itself to in the marketplace kind of puts everyone on the spot to you know to be open to sharing uh, and giving access and so there's there's that there's that in play where it's gotten more difficult is i think in the same way that the market is progressing and that's a good thing you know it's becoming more competitive and so the the landscape is is shaping up 
to you know showing who are the players who can actually do this kind of data work and and that's just becoming more clear and and therefore some folks are have made a strategic stand that they're going to be a little less willing to work with a third party like us because it's something they want to take a crack at themselves so a little bit of good and in a, a a little bit of uh, a more difficult outcome in the in the current environment in that regard interesting as we um as you begin to build the company now that you've got i mean you've raised what would what would clearly be a growth round at at that at 30 million dollars give me a sense for for what the impact that has on on your culture at the company um this company is like it's interesting right it's it's it sounds like a company that's been around for a while but has now sort of moved from a consulting firm to a solutions firm and i always think of that as a combination of ip software and consulting and systems integration work sort of wrapped up into one what's the culture like and how is it changing now that you're growing and and have uh, and have this capital at hand to to build a bigger business well obviously given the heritage of the company when i got here most everyone in the building quote unquote you know had joined the company to be the next great McKinsey consultant, right? That was that was the mission in the in the early going, and so the transformation of the business over the last three years to that of a a SaaS based technology uh, company that has strategic services uh, to offer as a complement or an adjacency to that technology is in and of itself a, a big culture shift, and you know always those kinds of shifts come with uh, jubilation and pain, and thankfully we're on the back side of, of that, and to be expected, some people were game for that and have evolved and changed and are more excited than ever to be part of the company going forward, and some people decided that they you know want to go find other things that were more consistent with their early decision to come here. So those are the inevitable uh, cultural elements of this kind of business transformation. Now, I think if you were just walk in the door, not knowing any of that, what you would feel is a a a, uh, a scintillating excitement over the prospect of the business, meshed with a a clear understanding of of the importance of of execution in in this in this part of the company's. Uh, maturation. As you know, the population health marketplace is, is not flush with tremendously, wildly successful business models. And so I think everybody in this market is still working hard to build the kind of scalable, profitable businesses that, that everyone believes are here that still serve the mission of improving health care and driving better patient care which I think most of us are in this for. But uh, I'm enthused mostly about the fact that the people here believe in what they're doing. They believe that what we do really matters in healthcare, particularly for patients and for the customers we serve as they're trying to figure out their own business models to be better at what they do. So it's a very rewarding uh, culture in that regard, but it's hard work. Everybody's still working really hard on these problems. Very good, very good. We've we've tapped up against our our, our time here, so I 
first of all, I want to want to say thank you for joining me, Sean. It was a great great discussion, um, and I want to offer just the opportunity to sort of let people know um, how they can find out about you, your website. Are you a, are you a Twitter guy, Facebook, any of that stuff? Um, where where can they? Where's best for them to go to find out about you? Yeah, I would say go to our website. All the the connection points are there. That's www.arcadiasolutions.com, and we are we're quite open with our materials. There's a lot of white paper material and uh, a number of different ways to track the company uh, on Twitter and and otherwise. Located on the on the website, and take a look at our data gallery. Uh, one of the one of the really interesting and unique aspects of our of our company is we really pay attention and think how data is visualized is is critical. And so we've got some examples of that kind of work on our website, and we always do a nice gallery at Hims. So come by and see us there if you have a chance. We'd love to chat with you. Well, well uh, I enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you very much, um, and best of luck to you. Steve, and I'll see you uh, for that uh, Greenhead uh, Pale Ale, right? You bet, IPA, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way yeah. to do that. We'll totally figure out a way to do that. All right. All right, take care. Look forward to it. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that is a wrap. Sean Carroll, nice having you on the podcast. Glad you're a fan of the Greenhead IPA. Hope you can make your way up to Newburyport someday and get yourself a, a real fresh batch. Steve Krupa, another great job leading a, an interesting conversation. And uh, thanks for remembering the tale of the Greenhead. Thanks to our podcast listeners for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Ask you to do us two quick favors. Uh, if you can give us a ranking on iTunes, that'd be an enormous help. Also, um, give us a comment so we know what we're doing well and what we might do better. And uh, feel free to shoot me an email, tom at healthag.com. It's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. would love to hear uh, your direct comments and some suggestions as to who you would like to hear on the podcast. Tune in next week, and Steve Proop will have another great tale of innovation for you. Take care, everyone. Take care.